Since May 15th, the U.S. Treasury two-year note, the yield has risen from around 4% to today higher than 460, a 60 basis point move in 11 days. What do we make of this? What do we make of the, the fact that other interest rates on the U.S. Treasury curve, along with SOFR futures, have experienced such a massive sell-off? Well, if we think about rates going lower, curve inversions expanding as they were March and April in the early part of May, that was about the market saying banking crisis, deflation, recession, all the bad stuff we associate with lower rates and inverted curves. So is this monstrous sell-off over the last couple of weeks or so, the market saying, oh, sorry, our bad, we, we got all that wrong. Now we're, we're going fully on board with inflation because that seems to be the only options. We either have deflation or inflation, and therefore, if it's not deflation, then the market must be rethinking everything and climbing aboard the inflation train with higher rates and higher rates for longer. Mr. Stephen Van Meter, we've, we've watched the uh, yield curve really, I mean, really move pretty, pretty precipitously here. What, what, do you, what is your take on all of this? Oh, Jeff, this is this is easy. This is a softball. Come on, the Fed's going to raise rates in June. Now, everybody knows it. The, the markets are just responding to that. I mean, that's obviously what it is because everybody knows the Fed controls all parts of the curve. So this is just a natural response. It has to sell off because Fed's going to raise rates. Of course, none of that's true at all. Well, the, the rate hike might be true, though I think there are the explanations here are a little bit different because well, let's, let's face it. I mean, there's a couple different schools of thought here about interest rates, beginning with the mainstream school, which is that essentially inflation, as they call it, is sticky. In fact, it's much stickier than maybe the bond market or these rate markets are anticipating. Therefore, what's happening now is after Silicon Valley Bank, the uh, banking crisis is now over with. It's dead. It's buried. It's gone, at least according to this line of thought. And now we have to refocus our attention on an economy that's resilient the labor market's strong and inflation that is structural. Um, I want to bring up a, a, an inter interview with former Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan. Actually, Steve, you pointed this out to me where he went over essentially the mainstream thesis on this structural inflation. So the question is, first, let's talk about what Kaplan is saying about structural inflation. Let's see if that fits what the markets are doing. So from the interview... Again, former Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan, who established his reputation as something of a monetary policy hawk, who supposedly during 2020 and 2021, though probably less in public and more in private, argued that quantitative easing was going to unleash an inflationary monster because of all of these structural problems that he has identified. And he reiterated those this was what, back on May 19th, so just a little bit a while ago, while this massive yield curve move was going was taking place. What he said was, again, this is basically what uh, most structural inflation proponents argue. Number one, government. Government, government, government. The government did a lot of stuff in 2020, did even more in 2021, kept doing stuff in 2022. And guess what? There is still money to be spent in 2023 and 2024, as Kaplan pointed out. Some of that emergency spending hasn't been spent yet. And if uh, especially municipalities and states don't spend it by the end of next year, they're going to lose it. So there's this trickle of additional government spending. That's one thing. The second thing, you hear this all the time, demographics. We have an aging workforce, slowing population. This 
of course, creates the fact that, you know, the problem where companies all over the economy have to compete for workers, basically a labor shortage. That's not something that relates to a macro factor. It's more a structural factor. And the third thing, oil prices. You hear this all the time, too. We're not investing in new oil production, which means scarcity of oil, which is going to continue to keep pressure on oil prices globally, which means oil prices are going to skyrocket, which more inflation. So, Steve, let's start with maybe the third one of those, because oil prices, they're not skyrocketing right now. And no, Jeff, they're not. And, and that's one of the great things about the oil markets, a phenomenal leading indicator, as we talk about on your show all the time. And it tells us where demand is from the economy, because when you, you look at what Kaplan's trying to tell us is, is inflation is a monetary phenomenon, but yet nowhere you can look back. I mean, there are places you could find it, but is it really a monetary phenomenon? Now it's a fiscal and monetary phenomenon. But the reality is, despite the fact that we had massive amounts of monetary stimulus, massive amounts of fiscal stimulus, we're seeing the economy slow down. And he's saying, wait a minute, no, uh, inflation is going to stay hot because there's all this money to spend. There's still a whole bunch of it. I mean, I keep hearing, Jeff, in these reports that consumers are sitting on piles of fiscal money. And yet, you talk to people and they're like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have that money. I'm worried about the student loan repayments kicking back in because, well, I can only maybe make a month or two of that and I'm out of cash. So you kind of wonder where he's getting this from. Because again, as you said, the oil markets, the energy markets are saying, look, inflation isn't structural. It's just, it doesn't go down in a linear path. But if we continue to see oil, particularly what I like to show it is on a year over year rate of change on the charts, that it does tell us, if PC is coming out, CBI is coming out, all the stuff is coming down at some point in the months to come, which, of course, the yield curve has been telling us for a long time. It's one of the I was reading the interview again. You, you sent this to me and said, hey, we should talk about this. And I was reading through it and I was I re, the, the quote that immediately come to mind or the person, the economist that immediately came to my mind was Ronald Coase. And he's an economist who he's an economist, economist, a small e economist who was you know, famous for sticking it to econometricians in particular, telling them that they've lost focus on the real economy and started focusing on these narrow subsets of, of, of factors and sort of explanations for why everything happens. And he wrote an article for the MBER in 1972, where he basically said at that time, a hot topic was explaining all corporate behavior as monopolistic. So because economists were so laser focused on tax policy and monopolies, what he said was basically they wouldn't understand how, what was the quote here? We would be unable to explain why General Motors is, a, is not a dominant factor in the coal industry or why A&P does not manufacture airplanes because they try to explain everything through either tax policy or monopoly policy when the real world is a lot more complicated. And so here I'm listening, you know, reading through Robert Kaplan's statement. And I brought the reason that quote came to mind was because, as you're just pointing out, Steve, He's trying to make everything about either the Fed or the federal government as if there's no room for anything else anywhere. We explain all we explain inflation. We explain the economy as either the federal government or the Federal Reserve doing something in one direction or the other. And what he's basically saying is forget everything else in the real economy. If the federal government is spending money, there's going to be inflation. Forget everything else in the real economy. If the Federal Reserve is doing this and the federal government is doing that then it's only about those two factors and nothing else. 
Yeah, Jeff, and what's baffling to me is, did everybody forget that the global economy was functionally shut down and people were sent home? And then and then worse, they were given a whole bunch more money, more than they usually had to spend. We stripped all these stores and warehouses down to just the bare bones. And it takes time to restart the engine. I mean, you think about the economy maybe as a train or an aircraft carrier or large shipping, you know, container ship they don't get off the line quick i mean they're not like a formula one race car where you know blah 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 you know you're you're taking off in 100 miles in a blink of an eye i mean it takes time to restart these things and yet you keep hearing them inflation's not coming down fast enough boy monetary policy you need to go higher because we got to get you know this inflation now it's like look maybe you should just let the ship leave the harbor and get out in the ocean and let it do its thing and it will start to slow down. But it's like they don't get it, Jeff. They're so fixated on inflation. You know, they just stuff everything in this box and say, see, look, it fits. When <laughs> I don't know what kind of shape box they've got, but it certainly doesn't fit. Well, Kaplan actually went a little bit further, too, along the same line of thinking. He's like, you know, this inflation stuff because of the fiscal side in particular and the demographics and, of course, oil prices and everything else. It's now beyond the capabilities of the Federal Reserve to actually control. He's actually advocating for the Fed to stop hiking rates because at this point in his mind, the Fed can only make the bad situation worse. What he's saying is the Fed keeps hiking rates. That's going to put us into recession because everything is about the Fed, right? That's going to put us into recession, but that's not going to cure inflation. So according to Kaplan, there's really no way out of this. And of course, on top of it, we have also the banking crisis, which, you I mean, get this, the Federal Reserve created the banking crisis too, which we have no way out of that because of all these underwater treasuries. So Kaplan's advice, and this is a former Dallas Fed president, is that the Fed needs to kind of reassess the entire situation because it's not working the way that they hoped it would be working, exactly like you just said except for he's assigning different reasons for what he calls structural inflation beyond the capability of rate hikes to handle. Well, Jeff, it's simple. When what you're doing doesn't work, you have to change something. Either you change what you're doing, which you can't, because at this point, they, you know, the Fed can't come out and say, hey, look, you know all these rate hikes? <laughs> well, they really don't do anything. So I don't know why we're even messing around with them. And maybe we're going to break the banks as a possibility outcome of this. Uh, and there'll be some collateral damage. But we're going to lower them because, well, it doesn't do anything anyways. The reality is you have to change your narrative because they have to make themselves feel important. They have to make themselves feel of value. You know, I, I kind of like the joke of, you know, it hits with a lag. Well, how big is the lag? Well, how how it's as big enough as we need it to be. Hey, it took five years for this to happen. So I guess the lag now is about five years. Look, you can you can rewrite it to make yourself feel important every day of the week. And I think that's what we're starting to hear from Kaplan is, wait a second, we're starting to figure out that this doesn't work. So let's just change the narrative. Yeah. Again, I go back to Coast because what Coast is saying is that because they try to simplify an economy, which is, it's you know, you really shouldn't simplify economic understanding because it's incredibly complicated. But if you simplify it through these very simple, uh, small scale or really um, individual factors. So for most economists these days, it's either the federal government or the federal reserve. So they filter all of their interpretation through the federal government or the federal reserve. So if consumer prices are not coming down fast enough, then we have to look for either the federal reserve or a federal government explanation. It can't be anything else because of the, these are the only two things that we know. Um, and again, banking crisis the same way. It's either the federal government or the federal reserve. It can't be anything else like commercial real estate or something like, or 
collateral problems in repo. Let's let's talk about that, Steve, because Kaplan did bring up the uh, banking crisis. And what he said was essentially, we tolerated an accounting fiction. Banks were able to classify investment securities as hold to maturity, which allowed them to mark these securities at par, even though due to substantial increases in rates, their market values had declined to say 80 or 85 cents on the dollar. So essentially, in his mind, the banking crisis is because U.S. Treasuries fell in value because the Fed hiked rates and therefore banks were undercapitalized. And of course, as most people do, I study my bank's uh, balance sheet and look at their hold to maturity assets when making the decision of where I want my checking account. Right. That's what we're supposed to believe here. Yeah, because that's in that little uh, trifold you get about the bank, right? And by the way, here's our HTM value. You know, I, I think what I love, Jeff, is he's he's almost setting up the case that I've been making that rates are going to go back to zero. And everyone's, Steve, now rates are permanently high. Now there's no way. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. If the Fed starts to believe that they're causing somehow this banking stress and it gets out of control, there's a real simple thing because, and the banks will squeal. If you don't think this is going to happen, they're going, oh, look, our stuff's upside down, our stuff's upside down, please, please, please help us. And the Fed's going to go like, well, there's only one thing we can do is go back to zero. That's what everyone doesn't get is, is it, it, we're not saying that this is one thing leads to another. We're just saying, look, the Fed is looking at through this weird set of binoculars and they'll come to one conclusion and they'll all get behind each other and be like, yeah, well, it makes sense because the balance sheet's upside down. Well, we raised rates, silly us, little did we know, let's cut rates to zero. And that's why they'll, they'll do it. I'm not saying they're going to do it for the right reasons. I'm just saying they're going to do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, they don't know what else to do in that situation. And that's what markets have been telling, except for right now, right? We have to explain the sell-off in Treasury. We have to explain the sell-off in SOFR futures one way. And I don't think, you know, I, I, I'm not buying Robert Kaplan's argument about structural inflation, because as you said, oil prices are going down, commodity prices, copper setting a new low, steel prices in China. We see commodities telling us deflation. Oh, by the way, tips break evens. Tips break evens are almost at a multi-year low, not high. So even the, the inflation expectations in the markets are telling us more downside than upside. So how do we get to the two-year treasury going from four to 460 in a matter of less than two weeks? Could it be, Steve, could it be that some people are a little bit nervous about the debt ceiling and are unwilling to hold U.S. treasuries, particularly in the middle part of that curve, particularly treasury bills, are hedging the hell out of things in SOFR futures for higher rates just in case we go into a holiday weekend and Janet Yellen on Monday while the markets are closed says, guess what, there's no deal. Could that be the reason why we're seeing rates go up here? You know, Jeff, it's possible. I mean, the, the idea that anybody knows exactly why the markets are moving the way they do, I mean, nobody knows for sure. But one thing I do know is the media has been pumping out a whole lot of news about how rates are going up if the debt ceiling you know, isn't reached or something goes wrong. And of course, as you know, we go back to 2011. We we went through the same thing. And what happened? The dollar rally, yields crashed, flight to safety. No one seemed to care because it's really simple. They'll just either extend the maturity. They'll do something or we have enough revenue to pay them. I mean, look, it's not a terminal deal that Yellen is making it out to be and the rest of the media is you know, pushing it to be. So, but if you believe that view, if you're, if you're saying, Hey, you know what? I believe the media this time. I believe that T-bill rates are going to spike to 10%. You know, if this deal isn't done, well, then that's what you probably would do. You'd probably short the treasury market because why not? But, you know, beyond that, the fact that the short fr uh, front of the curve high rising, the long of the curve, which has gone up some, 
really hasn't gone up hardly any in relative comparison to the front of the curve. So we're seeing, you know, a dislocation here of what's going on. Yeah, I think that, you know, there are a lot of over, you know, overly cautious people in the markets. I mean, you look at the way Sofer Futures traded yesterday. Some of the contracts were down 26, 27 basis points, which were just huge moves. It was essentially some form of, it was short-term acute panic, but in the opposite direction of what we saw in March and April. So instead of buying Sofer Futures for hedging when rates go lower, this is selling Sofer Futures, hedging for the possibility that rates go higher, which as you said, in the 2011 case, it really wasn't that big of a deal, even though there was some hedging activity there. So I think there's an overabundance of caution here in the marketplace where people are just selling Sell first, ask questions later. And then next week when a debt ceiling deal is reached, what will happen? I think you see that's when the market goes back down because we haven't seen the same moves in other markets around around the, uh, around the world. German markets, Jap- Japanese markets, they haven't moved at all. You don't see the same level of hedging. So this is, it seems like it's something that is US specific, something that is near term, not long term. I mean, to me, that's, that's some, some being overly cautious about the debt ceiling. Yeah, Jeff, I'll agree. I, I I think if we get a deal signed Tuesday or whatever, that we'll start to see you know rates come down as as if if this is the case. If you're right and this is all hedging, then we'll see those hedgers start to pull that off. Should see rates come back down, but it's still the structural issues, not structural in terms of Kaplan and his belief that inflation is sticky, but structural in the fact that the global economy is continuing to slow. That tells us, of course, the yield curve tells us that rates are likely to come down. The Fed will eventually cut, maybe not in June, if you know, because they got the PCE. We know they love the PCE. I'm sure there'll be something else they'll be excited about as well before their meeting uh, mid next month. But at some point, the Fed's going to be forced to cut, whether it's another banking crisis, maybe inflation comes crashing down. I don't know what the catalyst is. But all I know is the global economy is slowing. When that happens, stuff eventually breaks and the Fed looks like a bunch of chumps. Well, we know what it is. Kaplan told us because now the treasuries are falling in value again. That means there's a, the banking crisis is going to be restarted because it's all about the Fed's rate hikes. Right, Steve? It's, it's, all, always, it's all about the Fed. It's always about it's the Fed or the federal government. There's no other there's no other variables in the economy. As always, Steve, thank you very much for joining me. We'll see you again next week. I look, look forward to it, Jeff. Thanks.